Hey guys, it's Ed coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. Um, I'm getting ready to um, travel tomorrow, so there may not be another episode this week. I'm going to try my best to get another one out for you, but no promises. Um, today, since I'm traveling tomorrow, I'm just keeping it light with some rum and coke, because... You can't go wrong with rum and coke, and I won't be tempted to overdrink today. Okay, I will, but that's not the point. Um, so we're starting off the week with a wedding. Um, and not just any wedding, but the wedding of Star Jones. Um, if you're a fan of The View, you have to remember um, she, she married Elle Reynolds back in 2004. And... It was a very lavish affair. A lot of money was spent because she was getting endorsement deals. And what she was doing was... She would say, hey, I'm on The View. We're watched by millions of people every every day. You got me a good deal on this, and I'll mention you on camera. And a lot of people... Um, the story was that Rosie O'Donnell, when she signed on, when Meredith Vieira said she was leaving... That Rosie came on and said, nope, I'm not working with Star Jones. Get rid of her. Um, but I've talked to a few people closer to the situation. And they said, you know, that there was some tension between Rosie and Star. But it was mostly because producers were really annoyed that she was getting, you know, all, she was saving all this money and doing all this endorsement. And the network wasn't getting any of that money in return, she was still charging her regular salary. And so that kind of led to a very um, messy situation for the network. Anyways, so she got married on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Um, the first wedding, there was like 450 guests. This time, it was a little a little bit more subdued. It was only 150 guests. Um, and every the question on everyone's lips right now is not... Like, why the secret wedding? Because, frankly, Star Jones of 2018 is not the same Star Jones of 20, um, 2004. Um, she doesn't have the same pull. She's not as popular. Um, I don't even know if she has her own show anymore, to be honest. Um, but it, it's... Did she... Is she wealthier than what we imagined? And did she run off the whole, whole ship? Because the ship that she was on holds 4,000 people. And she only had a hun- around 150, let's say, um, with the... They probably used the ship DEJ. At least I hope they did. Um, so with all her guests and um, herself and her, her now husband, that means she only had... The ship was only probably filled with maybe 200 people, um, plus, of course, the staff, but, um, so did she run out the whole ship, or did she just, um, say, hey guys, like, we want to get married, you know, is there a private area where we can do this, um, the answer is we don't know, um, Star Jones is not someone who, uh, will talk about that, because I think she learned her lesson from the first wedding, where, um, her popularity dropped, like, people really did not like her, um, 
it, it's very sad, but it, it, that's what happens. And I think that's why Sherry Shepard, when she was on The View, was so reined in because she saw what happened to Star. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm kind of hoping that Star comes back to The View. Um, maybe if Whoopi's leaves as um, isn't anticipated, um, Joy can move over to the moderator chair and um, Star could take over Joy's chair. Um, I know they already have an attorney in Sonny Hostin, but, I mean, just think about, like, Star was always more in the middle to me. Like, she was never completely liberal or completely conservative. She was that voice where she would say, okay, this is what's happening. And that's why I loved her in the beginning. So it'd be fun if she came back as kind of like the OG co-host with Joy, I don't think that'll happen, but you never know. Let me pour some more rum and coke, and I will be right back with some more gossip. Okay, guys, I'm back, and we're going to talk about Cardi B now. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm not... I, I don't want to say I'm a fan of her because I don't really know her. Like, I know she's a very famous singer. She's very popular right now. Um, she has Nicki Minaj all twisted up. Um, but as far as, um, like, actually knowing her songs or anything, I have to be honest, I don't know them. I, I'm sure she's very talented, I'm sure she's lovely, um, but I'm busy listening to other podcasts and Britney and, um, doing that sort of stuff, so I don't really, I haven't really taken the time to, um, listen to her music, so, but, let's, let's get into her good stuff. She's in some tax trouble. Um, they're saying that she owes a lot of back taxes, whatever. And now she's actually trying to reclaim the story and spin it, which is, and the way she's doing it is so clever. Like, I want to meet Cardi B and just tell her, like, this was a brilliant PR move. Whoever did this, whoever told you to do this. You need to give them a raise. Like, I don't care if you're already paying them $10 million a year. Pay them 20 because it is such a great way to um, get people on your side. So, basically, what happened was she got on Insta, as we all do. And she was like, hey, you know, I where are my taxes going? You know, the the streets are still horrible here in New York City. There are rats in the subway. I want to know where my money is going. I want an itemized list. And for a second, when I was reading this, all I seen was itemized list. And I was like, wait, I thought I was reading about Cardi B, not Papa Spears. Um, but that's, that's honestly what happened. Like, she, I watched the video... And she goes in and she's like, I want the IRS to send me an itemized list of where my money is going and how it's being used. You know, we have to, we have to pay these taxes, but I want to know, where is my money going? And, I, you know, it, it is very true. Um, the subway does have rats. Um, you don't, generally you don't see them. I've seen maybe two or three in the time that I've been here. Um, but... Her point, I think, is very valid, and the places where I travel, um, 
tend to be busier, and rats, I don't know if you know this, I learned this um, from my other job, rats tend to avoid noise. Um, they tend to just, if something, if an area is quiet, they'll stay there. The only way they'll come out when there's a lot of noise is if they're in danger. Um, and with the subway, what probably happens is they, they get in there and then they realize, oh my God, we're going to get run over. And then they run. Um, they never bother you. They like, they don't, they're always on the tracks. They're not up on the platform where the people are. At least I've never seen that. Um, and there are certain parks where um, the people will feed the mice, so they'll come out in those parts a little bit more, too. Um, but getting back to Cardi B, I think what she said was so brilliant. Like, you know, the reason why, the reason why I think it's so brilliant, I should say, is because she's kind of flipping it. She's kind of pulling the Papa Spears on the IRS and saying, okay, you want my money? I want to see what you're spending it on. I want to make sure you're not spending it on Trump's golf trips. I want to make sure you're not spending it on this war that I don't agree with. I want to see where my dollars are going. And if any of them are going to Trump's golf trips, if any of them are going to the war, you don't get them. Now, people will say, well, you know, she's going to, if that's the case, she's going to alienate her conservative fan base. I don't think she has a conservative fan base think her fan base is mostly liberals. Which, again, it, you're playing right to your fan base. Um, you know, someone said to me, listening to the podcast, oh, you, I don't like how you talk about Trump. I said, I don't care. That's how I feel about it. If you don't like it, you don't need to listen to my podcast. And the person said, oh, no, I, I really like the way you, the, the way you handle the gossip and stuff. So, you know, I'm still going to listen, but blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, then you're going to have to deal with how I talk about Trump. That's the trade-off. You know, and that's what plays well for my fans, and that's what plays well for her fans. So, bravo, Cardi B. I'm going to pour another drink in your honor. I'll be right back. Okay, guys, I'm back. And um, this segment, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the newfound respect I have for um, Vampire Diaries and the originals. Um, and I think another show or two, um, showrunner, Julie Pleck. Um, so a writer by the name of Elizabeth, uh, Fink went, um, she told her story. It, it's kind of a Me Too story. Um, what I've read is not too graphic, so don't worry about that. Um, so basically what Elizabeth said was she had written her first episode of, the Vampire Diaries, she was about to, um, she was also a producer for this episode, so she was on set, and one of the actors was missing from rehearsal, and she was really scared to talk to the produ- uh, to the director, rather, um, and ask him about the actor, so finally she, she built up the courage and said, hey, you know, this actor needs to be here. Um, shouldn't we call for him or something? And the director just went off and... Um, forgive the language I'm about to use, but the, this is a direct quote from her. She said that he, um, he um, went crazy. It was like screaming and yelling. And he said, if I wanted a nagging cunt, I would go home to my wife. 
And so she was really shaken up by this incident. And from then on out, the, the process was very tense um, and, and unpleasant. She said that she, um, he would put her hand on her, give her unwanted massages and hugs. Um, he called her cunt quite a few more times. Um, and so on the last day of shooting, she was just so grateful that it was done. She walked out of the building and just let out a scream of relief. And she was shaking and she saw Julie Pleck. And Julie asked her if everything was okay, you know, how everything went. She said, oh, we got the episode done. I think it'll, I think it's fine. You know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Julie's like, tell me what's really wrong. So Elizabeth proceeded to tell her the story of what happened. And in a very controlled voice, Julie said, your job is not to get through this. You need to come tell me these things when they happen so I can correct it. You need to let me know when situations like this happen. It is my job to take care of it and make sure that it's a safe work environment for everybody. She's like, you do not have to deal with this. And Elizabeth got in her car and was just so relieved and felt so good about what Julie had said. And um, Julie extended an invitation for Elizabeth to come back for the following season and promised that she would never have to work with that director again. And um, she ends ends her story by saying that she didn't. And here is... This is my newfound respect for her. Um, I mean, it's hard enough running a show. Let alone a a complete franchise, plus whatever else she was working on. At one point, I know she was working on quite a few shows. But Julie really showed strength of leadership and character. Um... I can't imagine that she would ever blame the victim for this. But the fact that she was like, it's on me, and she immediately took care of it. Um, the director, who is not named, um, and I, I'm going to get his name wrong, but I believe it is widely believed across the internet that it was um, John Baining. Again, she didn't confirm. She didn't say what his name was. Um, it's just widely believed to be him didn't work on the show after um, a certain point in time. So, that's why people put two and two together. Um, I don't know if Julie fired him or if she just didn't extend um, an invitation for him to return as a director. Um, that there, There's a lot to be debated and discussed there. What we do know is that while she, Julie didn't coddle Elizabeth, she said what every boss, every HR department across this country and around the entire world needs to hear. And that's, it's not your job to deal with this. It's my job to, to take care of it. Let me do my job. And I think that's very important. And I hope that this story reaches people and lets them know that an unpleasant work environment is one thing, but when you're bo- when someone who you feel is superior, whether they are or not, is making you feel uncomfortable, that is not okay. I will be right back. 
Okay, guys, I'm back. Um, I I actually had recorded another segment, um, and then due to some technical difficulties, it did not survive. However, um, I, I'll I'll re-record that segment, but I wanted to talk about this first because it's going to be a huge story in the coming weeks, um, because there I mean. This guy's career goes back at least two decades, probably more. Um, Dan Schneider, who was Nickelodeon's top, um, Nickelodeon's top, um, creator, has been fired. Um, technically not fired, his contract wasn't renewed, um, and that's, that's a really big news. There's been, um... There's been some stories percolating over the last few months with the Me Too movement um, regarding Dan Schneider. Uh, a lot of them say that he's been abusing children. Um, uh, there were rumors, unsubstantiated, um, I just want to put that out there, these rumors are unsubstantiated, that he was the father of Jamie Lynn Spears' child. Um, as far as we know, that's not the case, um, but, but those rumors are out there. The molestation rumors have been around for a while now, um, so about that guy. Um, but it's kind of one of those situations where he was making a lot of money for Nick and Nickelodeon and people just didn't really pay any attention. It was like, oh, he's molesting people, but his last show just brought us in a billion dollars. So, it kind of evens out, I guess. Um, and I don't mean to be snarky about something as serious as molestation, but I'm trying to get inside the mind of these executives um, who, for all intents and purposes, had to have heard. If someone like me has heard them, they have heard them. I don't know why they chose to turn a blind eye and not do anything about it. I'm sure that there are... Uh, I'm sure that they have their reasons. Um... But I think there are reasons are hooey. Um, and, and that's the nicest way I can say that. Um, so he's been let go. He got his last, or his latest show, Game Changers, um, were going for three seasons, 68 episodes, and was canceled in. Um, what I'm hearing is that one of their, one of Nick's other shows are moving into the space where all of his shows had been filmed exclusively, and he was really upset about this. Throwing a fit, whatever. Um, as temperamental people will do. And I'm hearing that um, that could have been part of the reason why he was upset. Um, because I think he thought that he owned the property and that he... His next show would be picked up without thought. And, um, you know, it would just automatically take that space. So I'm looking for um, a lot of blind items to be revealed. There's going to be an expose, I guarantee it, coming out about him. And the reason why I say I guarantee it is because there, there have been quite a few rumors um, that a major network, which Nickelodeon... Even though it's cable, it's still a very powerful network. Um, was preparing itself for 
for this for the Me Too movement to come and hit them. Um, I I don't know exactly why it took so long for Me Too to hit them. Um, maybe they they were just waiting for someone to come forward, and I'm guessing that these actresses did because you don't you don't get rid of your top content creator unless there's something major. Now I know people are gonna say, well, Ryan Murphy and Shonda Rhimes, those people did not lose their contract. They did not have. It wasn't like the networks weren't going in to renegotiate their contracts. Uh, Netflix offered both producers more money and more creative freedom, which is what they wanted. That's what they were craving. Um, Shonda Rhimes said, "You know, I don't always want to have to create the soapy, twisty dramas." Sometimes I want to do something very character-driven, but character-driven shows don't bring in the ratings um, for network TV. And I think that's very respectable. Um, This is a breaking story. I will be following it very closely. Um, If there's any more developments, um, I'll do a segment and bring them to you live. And for now, I need some more drink, and I will be right back. Okay, guys, I'm back. Um, this is going to be our last segment of the day, it, um, mostly because I had to re-record this, um, but I'm glad I did because I got to read this uh, Dan Schneider story. Um, otherwise, I would have probably wrapped this up without doing it, and that would have been very tragic for me. Um, Olivia de, Ho- de Holland, um, last year sued feud creator Ryan Murphy, and FX Network for her portrayal in the unlimited series feud, Bet and Joan. <sighs> okay. So, I just wanted to be put out there that there, this, this case never had a snowball's chance in hell of going forward. Um, because California has a law that protects creators from this type of lawsuit. It basically says... Um, it, everything doesn't have to be historically accurate. You know, it, it, if, it, I, I don't know how the law is actually worded because, again, I'm not a lawyer, but, um, basically, you know, if I have Frank Sinatra utter the word bitch, he, his estate can't come sue me for that because it's, it doesn't really affect his, uh, reputation and, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, on the reverse side, over uh, Holland, the Holland's case basically rested on her image was hurt. It was liable. Um, it was defamation in her opinion, um, and it, it hinged on Catherine um, Catherine Zeta Jones's betrayal or the betrayal that she presented. Um, the character uttered the word bitch about her sister, Jane Fontaine, which, just in case you don't know, Olivia de Holland actually was feuding with her sister um, back in the day. So it's not completely um, outside of the realm of possibility that she did call her a bitch. Um, and that, so, so de Holland was very upset, you know, she's... Her, her career and her legacy was defamed, and she wanted money. Um, and a judge in 
So Fall agreed with her and said, there's a good chance she's going to win this. I'm going to let this move forward. Uh, FX was joined by Netflix and um, the MPAA and, and saying to the court, the appeals court, um, if this is allowed to move forward, it's going to have a chilling effect on docudramas and historical fiction because then celebrities or the estates of these people will say, hey, my grandpa never uttered the word the. We're suing you. This is... And we're shutting down this project. And no creator will, would want to tackle that. And it's true. Um, I was following it closely because I have a couple of ideas for um historical fiction book based in Hollywood percolating in my brain right now. But honestly, I was not going to move forward with him if... If this would have gone forward or if um, Mr. Holland had actually won her case. Um, and I know some of you are going to say, well, you the only reason why you didn't want her to win is because of these projects. I couldn't give two figs about that, honestly. Um, what I'm looking at here is at some point we have to say, okay, we can separate what we see on screen or what we read in, in the books that's presented as fiction from a documentary or what a newspaper says because they're two different things. They're presented two different ways. One is presented as entertainment and something fun and whatever. And the other is presented as something very serious and, you know, this is fact. Here's our proof. Um, and especially when it comes to something so minor as a character saying bitch or gossiping about Frank Sinatra's drinking. Um, there's a lot to be said for this. Um, you know, especially with the person in the White House who will literally say, I'm for gun control, and then on Twitter, and then turn around and say, well, I never said that. Even though we have written proof that he did. Um, it becomes very confusing. So I think with the First Amendment right, we get to say, hey, okay, this is what's what, you know. We'll we'll try to keep it to um to accuracy. But you know, honestly, sometimes you have to exaggerate something. That long, you know, maybe that long sigh was just a, oh my god, I'm so frustrated. But that long sigh is more dramatic and has more of an effect. Um, and I'm sure that people will disagree with me, and I hope they do. Um, but for now, I'm going to wrap this up. If you have any tips, please send them to ed at authoredanderson.com. Um, I will soon have a drunk gossip email address for you all to send me tips to. If you just, or if you just want to tell me, that, hey, I'm enjoying it, or this is what I wish you would do more, or I wish you would do more blind, um, blind items, I wish you would do more op-eds, whatever. Um, and hopefully within the next month or so the blog will be launched as well so we have that to look forward to um have a great week as i told you at the beginning of the podcast i will be traveling i don't know if i'll be doing another episode this week or not i will definitely try to um so until then cheers and happy easter